0: It's Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is The Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, on March 15th, 2019 in Birmingham here in Alabama, we hosted an event in coordination with ARC Stories. It was a storytelling event where we were able to host six storytellers to tell their personal uh, involvement with foster care, adoption, and orphan care, and one of our storytellers was Katie Reynolds. Katie had a failed adoption out of Texas, and she talks about the heartbreak reality of going through the adoption process only to end without bringing a child home. We hope you enjoy this story by Katie Reynolds.
1: Love. Always trust always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Those words back in the beginning of this process of learning all about love back in 2010 had as much depth to them as a Hallmark movie is at Christmas time. And I'm sorry for all you Hallmark movie lover people, but they're pretty bad. So I remember in 2010, my husband and I were working in campus ministry, and we were at a conference, and I remember the room was huge, and there were over a 1,000 college students with us, and we were watching a video of of mission work being done, uh, working with kids and serving them. And I just remember feeling just all the feelings, and I lean over to my husband, Neil, and just whisper, we've got to do something. And it was one of those we were connecting, and he was thinking the same thing. And so this love thing I was learning it actually will move you with such force that like you have to take action. And so we did, in adoption. And so I can see right now, looking back, God just sitting at the edge of the universe, just watching me, and him looking at me lovingly and saying, oh, Katie, you, you are about to learn who I am. And so we lived in Arkansas at the time doing ministry, and while ministry does not slow down for anyone or anything, time just really felt like it was at a snail's pace. And we waited probably a good year to get picked by a birth mother. And I remember the day we got the call. And we were getting ready for a trip to Nebraska for Neil to speak at a church. And I was getting things together, and I was about to send our four-year-old daughter off with Nana and Pops while we went on this trip. And I get the call, and she says, hey, Katie, it's Margaret. I've got some awesome news for you. And at the time my brain wasn't working very well and I pull, if you know Seinfeld and Elaine, I pulled this on Margaret. I told her to shut up, literally, not the best moment. And I just really screamed in her ear with joy. And she told me that the caseworker would call us tomorrow with all the information that we needed to know. And so I hung up the phone and I hit my knees on our living floor and just sobbed. Hands in face, ugly cry, sobbed. And not knowing I would find myself in this position in the future again. And so within 72 hours of driving to Nebraska, we agreed to meet the birth mother from the side of the road. We get to Nebraska, then we leave Nebraska to drive from Nebraska to Dallas, Texas, to meet the birth mother. So we're on go, adrenaline is pumping, and we're nervous, and we get to Dallas, and we meet our birth mother at the school that she teaches at. So we sat down, we started talking, getting to know one another, and she all of a sudden interrupts my husband and says, I know who you are. We grew up going to the same church camp together, and we have a lot of the same friends. Y'all, another Elaine moment. This time I had tact, and I didn't tell her to shut up. And so I knew then this was it. This, this was it. And I loved her the moment I met her. And so leaving Dallas, we drove back the four hours to get our daughter to go back home, to get it all baby ready, and we were excited. And so, 8 a.m. the next morning to the second, my phone rings with our caseworker, and she says, yes, she wants you to be the parents. Do you accept? Well, duh, yes, yes. And so she says, I got to fill you in on some things that you need to know about due to some things going on with her. They had to induce her this morning and, and she's in labor right now. So y'all need to get back down to Dallas. <laughs> and so we hug our daughter hug my in-laws and tears and crying mostly out of excitement and panic at the same time we get in the car and we drive back down to dallas and y'all we had nothing no baby stuff bottles clothes diapers car seats strollers you name it we didn't have it and we had not even raised the placement fee all of it yet and we didn't even have clean clothes for us Because we packed for a weekend trip to Nebraska, and here we are. And so we, of what all parents do is we find the closest target on the way to Dallas, and we stop, and we're shopping, and we're getting all the baby stuff. And in the middle of an aisle, in the baby section, I get the call from our agency, oh, we're so excited for you, and let's talk placement fee. Let's say we got to get it. So with like a tail tucked moment, I say, I'm so sorry. We have not raised it all yet. So we load our car with all the baby stuff and we start planning. How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this fast? We can sell the car. We can find some bank that will give us a loan. We can beg. You probably are thinking of it. We thought of it too, just as long as it was legal. So I'm at the process, I'm I'm calling my parents who live in Florida, and I'm just updating them on everything that's going on. And I get the response of, well, hold on just a second, I'll call you back, okay? And I'm like, "Ah, okay. And so we're getting closer to the birthing clinic, and I get the phone call back from my parents, and all I get is, oh, we love you guys, and we're so proud of you, We're going to write you a check, so don't worry about it. Thank you for our new grandson. And the tears filled the car, along with the diapers that I bought that were going to be too big for him anyways. And so we finally pull up to the birthing clinic, and it's just down the road from Baylor University Hospital in downtown Dallas. And as we walk up to this Victorian house turned clinic we're walking up these beautiful southern porch with a swing and all of the glorious southern charm it had and we thought who this is going to be interesting and so we walked up the porch and we walked through these big beautiful wooden doors and through the doors we're greeted with a welcome desk and on the side of the welcome desk is this beautiful wooden staircase and all the way up the, the staircase on the wall were these adorable tiny little footprints of babies' feet that were dipped in ink and placed all along the wall with their sweet names and their birthdays and y'all that place was so quiet and we waited like is anybody actually here what should we do So finally, it was one of those moments where you yell out, hello, and a quirky little nurse pops out and greets us and informs us, yes, the birth mother is in what looked like like a master bedroom, and so we waited, and we waited in the parlor, then we moved to the front porch and sat on the swing and even greeted the FedEx delivery guy, and at one point, Neil needed to use the restroom, so he went, sta- we went upstairs. And so while he was in, I decided I'll go in and just wait there. As I sat down, the midwife is yelling at me, like, it's time, mom, you need to come in here. So I'm herded into this master bedroom, and they lead me into the bathroom, of all places. And I turn the corner, and I see her squatting at the edge of a soaker tub. And I am not a medical person, but I am looking, and I see a little human coming. Like, this is not normal. This is not normal. Somebody get her to the bed. So they get her to the bed, and by the time midwife see Ellen for Neil, where is he? Come on. So they heard him in. And at that point, I think I blanked out. Now I know what men feel like in labor delivery rooms. Because I felt it. Because I remember there was a baby now. And a nurse handing me scissors saying, cut in between here and here. And me literally telling myself, don't throw up, Katie. Just don't throw up. Oh, and he was born. Palmer Landon Reynolds. Oh, and he was beautiful, just head full of dark hair, and just, oh, love, sprinkled with a little chaos and panic, because I didn't know what to do next, and so we were new moms and dads, and we had a son, and. Now we're sitting in downtown Dallas traffic with a six-hour-old baby in our car and trying to get to the hotel for the union of our daughter and her brother. And that union was the sweetest thing, and it made all of everything worth it. And so we stayed in Texas for about two weeks And I can guarantee you, it was about as fun as a slumber party at the DMV would be like. (laughs) It was not fun. But finally, we got to go home. And love always trusts. And we knew with this adoption, there were some really scary situations. There were some risks with the birth father. But again, love always trusts. So we got home and new normal started kicking in and everything felt really great and felt like time was on our side and we had 10 days left before everything was finalized and we were just really excited. And I remember the day I got the call and it was a Wednesday and I had our daughter eaten down for a nap and I had Palmer nicely tucked in the crease of my legs, my feet propped up on the, on the coffee table. I was kind of bouncing from him to the TV. And Neil calls and he's, I'm so sorry, Katie, I'm so sorry. It's like, I just got a call from the agency and Palmer's biological father just went to the courthouse and signed the parental registry. Ah, it took everything in me not to scream. And so this time I found myself sitting on this couch just sobbing with my hands cradling my face. But this time it was going to be over this son I was going to have to give away. And so we fought. Oh, so many people fought for us. Countless lawyers, our agency, even the birth mother fought for us. But it just didn't work. And so I remember the agency saying, "You know, we'll be at the house at 945. And I did not sleep that night. I had him next to me in his little rocking cradle deal. And I pretty much just stared at him most of the night. And so morning came and I felt it was weird. I had a lot of feelings, a lot of feelings, a lot of anger, a lot of sorrow, a lot of confusion, and our house was full of friends and family there to be with us, and so the director of our agency actually came to help us out, and he escorted us outside the house, and Neil, Tried to pray over Palmer and just couldn't get it out. He just couldn't. And so he got him strapped into the car. And the sound of the car door shutting just made my knees weak. But the sound of the gravel as the car pulled out of our driveway made them get out. And I hit the ground. And I just started screaming so loud over and over again. Please don't take my baby. Please don't take my baby. And so I remember my dad's large hands just coming and scooping me off the ground. And he and Neil carried me back to the house. Now was the day everything failed. Everything the picture of what my family was supposed to look like. My motherhood. I couldn't even protect my own kids. My body failed. And now our adoption failed. But y'all, I can, I can still see God. That moment on the edge of the universe. Still looking at me. And saying, I love you so much, and you have to know I never fail. And so I have trust in God's goodness that He is going to make beautiful things out of the ashes of this heartache. And he has, in his really special ways, because to this day, Palmer still carries our name. He is still Palmer Landon Reynolds. Pictures I get of him today remind me the gifts we get to send him on his birthday and at Christmas. It just all reminds me that love always trusts always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Thank you.
0: Well, hopefully you've been encouraged by Katie's testimony, and we hope that you have enjoyed all of the art stories. Katie's story actually concludes the six-week, uh, Special that we've had of these arc stories. We hope you've enjoyed each and every one of them and hope that you can join us next year for the live event that will be held in March of 2020. Well thanks for listening to Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit herbynewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. At Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.